Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. Today I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Ah. I wanted to start off the show by talking about something pretty serious. Um, let me just preface this by saying that we are not medical professionals in any way, shape, or form. However, I feel like it is prudent to discuss this because it is affecting literally everything. And, you know, gaming is a part of everything. And it is hitting the game industry pretty hard. Of course, I am talking about the coronavirus. And, um, you know, as the days and weeks go by, it just keeps spreading at what seems like an exponential pace. And it's already had very real effects on the economy and and various industries. And where the game industry is concerned, um, we're starting to see the cancellation slash delays of major gaming events that are sort of that have sort of been staples for for years and years now. Uh, the first that and biggest that comes to mind is GDC. Uh, it started with you know Sony pulling out of GDC and then like Facebook pulling out, and then all sorts of companies, even Microsoft pulling out of GDC, which just led to GDC being delayed. But I don't really know, like, I feel like this is just them, like, sort of soft-canceling it. I don't see the coronavirus problem being resolved by, it's like... It's not going to get better for at least a year and a half. I yeah, don't think. so... That, that's what the CDC was saying recently. I, I think this is more just all these companies and events just sort of trying to figure out how to navigate this. Because we can't just shut everything down for a year and a half. At least I hope not, right? But... You know, GDC is a big deal. This is the first time it's been, you know, delayed slash canceled. And yeah. uh, that that's a real shame because, you know, GDC is where sort of like the meeting of the minds is, you know, like all sorts of developers, AAA to indie, meet there and learn new things and are invigorated for uh, developing basically for the rest of the year. And I think not having GDC is going to have a pretty sizable impact because, you know, like maybe some indie that was going to, you know, sort of blow up. Can't now because there's no GDC. And it's not just GDC. We're seeing, like, PAX get canceled as well. And, like, all these companies are saying, you know, we don't want to send our employees out, which they should, right? You know, health and safety of people comes first before video games, obviously. But I just w- kind of wanted to bring it up and say, like, what sort of implications will this have? And what do you think we can, I don't know, do about it? Or... How will we react to it? I mean, this is kind of an aside, but the cancellation of GDC could potentially be a very good thing. I don't think it's likely, but why would GDC, you say it's a good GDC thing? sucks, in my opinion? Like, really? Yeah, it, there's no reason for GDC to cost three thousand dollars for a ticket. There's no reason for it. Then there's no reason for it to be in San Francisco, really. Like, why do you pick the most expensive city in America? Like. Because many of the AAA game studios are in California and Washington and that sort of thing. Yeah, but it's it's just it's bad for the industry to have that big of a financial barrier to entry. It's 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 a horrible scourge on the industry. It doesn't help anybody. And so if this opens the door for somebody else to step up and, you know, some other location to step up. I'd be extremely happy, even if it means a couple years of slower announcements and stuff. Well, that's the thing. I don't think anyone's going to open their doors because I don't think anyone will come now. Everyone's sort of just keeping nah. it in themselves and staying inside as much as possible. 
See, that's not really true within, like, a lot of people are going to San Francisco anyway, because they'd already paid for the tickets and weren't getting refunds and stuff. And so a lot of smaller developers are just putting together their own get-togethers and stuff since GDC is not happening, and I could see something coming out of that. That's interesting. Yeah, I was mostly looking at it, I guess, from the the AAA perspective, you know, Sony, Microsoft pulling out. I think that's a pretty... Right, that's definitely significant blow yeah. to the conference itself. Right, and I, yeah, until, I think you're right. I don't think GDC is going to happen later this year, and I I think it's super likely E3 gets canceled. Yeah, I was going to say like I don't think E3 is going to happen either, which is but E3 already was barely happening. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I mean, the fun thing about GDC is that GDC from 2009 until like 2016, they had other locations like Europe and China. I guess there was just just not enough interest in GDC Europe to actually host it there anymore. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. There was one in Texas in 2011. See, I think it all needs to be one location because the whole yeah. point is that it's all the greatest minds of game development getting together in one place. But the fact that like you have to be fairly wealthy to be able to even pull it off, like yeah. Three thousand. I I make okay money, but dropping three thousand dollars for an event like that is huge to me. Like that's it's not. It would not be a smart investment for me right now. It is a sort of weird barrier to entry, especially because you know game creators are not known for being wealthy. They're not really paid well. No. And yet this event, which is meant to stimulate game creation, it has such a high barrier to entry. No, and there are competitors like um. This I, I don't want to go too off topic on the coronavirus thing, but there are competitors to GDC, and I, I guess this is on topic because GameDev.World is what it's called, and it's a uh, it's a streamed competitor to GDC essentially. It's yeah. a bunch of talks, and it's put together by Rami Ishmael, I think you is the way you pronounce his yeah. name, and he uh you know he has orchestrated a lot of things. I mean it's not all him obviously, but he's like the the face on all of it. And it's just a live-streamed event, and it's simulcast in a ton of different languages. But it doesn't have what the important... I don't care about the talks at GDC, really. Like, the thing about GDC that would be important to me is getting the meetings and the the mixers and stuff. Like, all the networking opportunities. Yeah. And it's very difficult to create that online. And coronavirus is definitely going to affect those things. And especially in America, it's going to... Like, any of these events that take place in the U.S. are going to be impacted more than any others because it's so financially dangerous to get sick in the United States right now. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, the yeah, care but system I, I'm in the not, United States is not ideal. Yeah, we're not a podcast, but Rami Ishmael has said that he is not afraid to travel anywhere in Europe but doesn't see himself stepping foot in America in the foreseeable future because mm-hmm. he, you know, a coronavirus would be a financial burden that he couldn't handle. And he's a wealthy dude. Yeah. But insurance on American citizens is rough, but it's actually much worse situation for foreigners because they have to like pay for travel insurance, which is like ridiculously expensive. Right. But I kind of wanted to loop back to the idea you said of like having a streamed conference. So like with coronavirus causing all these cancellations, do you think we'll see these events sort of restructure into some sort of online format, streaming format? I mean, maybe. I mean, I'd love I'd love for there to be a VR chat GDC or something <laughs> like that. Like if I could drop in, and even that's kind. Of, well, no, VR chat runs on a normal PC, so the barrier to entry there isn't super steep. 
VR chat, GTC. I feel like that would just be a mess. The, yeah, the barrier to entry is too low at that point, I feel I, like. I can't get over, like, I'm gonna, I'm imagining a GDC talk, but instead of, like, a normal person, it's, like, some anime girl giving talk about how their game is the best game in the world. No, but you know what I mean. Like, because yeah. the, the important part of GDC to me is being in a room with those people. And, yeah. like, watching a Twitch stream does not give me that. Yeah, and definitely, like, having, you know, Twitch being, it's, you can't really have... <laughs> interaction on twitch it's just the twitch chat just becomes a hive mind of its own you know so right. it's mostly going to be a one-way dialogue that way which is which is unfortunate right we can have like the uh talks and such like you said but the meetings themselves are virtually impossible in this format but right. like- and, and that's why i was saying like the barrier to entry to that would be too low like i don't think the financial barrier to entry is a good thing but there needs to be something that means like GDC is for game developers. Like, you don't want a bunch of people who like playing games, necessarily. Yeah, I think... To be a GDC. No, kinda. GDC is for game creators, for sure, not game yeah. players. But I think if you opened it up like that, then, like, people would just show up trying to meet Absolutely, their... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a problem. Yeah. But, like, for an event like E3, maybe, I could see E3 restructuring to be online only. It's just a series of directs or something like that. Granted, that, that sort of sucks away the excitement for me personally, but I do think it, eventually that's where we're going to go with E3, so maybe coronavirus will just accelerate the process. Yeah, I think, yeah. E3, I think E3 will die this year. I, I don't think that's a ridiculous statement because, I mean, you already don't have PlayStation or Nintendo there. And Jeff Keighley so yeah, Jeff, basically squaring yeah. them off was is a pretty big deal. I don't think it'll yeah. die this year, but I think it's on its last legs, last few years. I think it'll be canceled this year, and a lot of those can't like they can't afford to be canceled for a year. The the money situation, they don't they wouldn't survive it. A lot of people were worried about GDC not existing if they canceled. Like, yeah, it's scary. I and I I would not mind E3 going away entirely at all because I don't get the point of spending all that money when like. But as as also like, Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation could all just get together and say like, yeah, we're gonna do a bunch of announcements this week, and that's E3. True, it's exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess I just I I'm as a fan, I guess I just missed the the ceremony of the press conferences. I, I I think as long as live press conferences exist in some way, shape, or form, rather than just the direct style Nintendo direct style events, I think I'll be happy. But like the main reason I like E3 so much is because I love the the energy of a live conference, and for a couple of reasons. One, because there's there's just an insane amount of hype around them, but also the awkwardness factor. I feel like anything can happen on that stage. See, yeah, we've I could seen some really live without that. <laughs> we've seen some really strange things uh, over yeah. the years, which I find very entertaining, and that will be forever lost if E3 goes away. I would absolutely love for that to go away. I hate watching somebody <laughs> flounder on stage. It it makes me hurt. It hurts my bones. It's it's the spectacle of E3 that really keeps people coming to it. Like, where else is Microsoft going to bring a car onto stage that's made out of Legos and be like, hey, guess what's coming to Forza? We're getting a new car. Yeah, it's, it's stuff made like of Legos, that, you know? See, I, I would be so happy to see that stuff go. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. I don't get it. It's dumb, but it's entertaining, you know? Yeah, it's... At, le- at least in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, people would be sad. I, I wouldn't be happy to see it go. I would not care at all. I don't know. I am way more excited for a Nintendo Direct than I am a Nintendo press conference. Because I know that I'm getting, like, non-stop action. For, the like, filtered experience. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a non-stop, like, stream of amazement. Either amazement or excessive disappointment. Like, one of the two, depending on whether or not it's a Fire Emblem Direct. Like, See, okay, I, I don't know. So I, my mind always goes back to E3 2016 and 2017 for Sony. And those were two of the most incredible press conferences I've ever seen. And like, see, I remember those watching that press with conferences you. had a magic and an electricity to them, which I still just remember watching that conference. It's such a lame thing to have a burned in. No, your I remember head. it too. But, I, yeah. I mean, you and I watched them together. I think once on Discord and once in person. Yeah. But like, and I and I had a super good time. But the thing I liked were the trailers and stuff. Like, it would have been exactly the same to me if they had done the same thing. But there's but also I, something exciting knowing that like Corey Barlog was on stage. You could see him actually playing the god of war demo so you know it wasn't some pre-canned thing you know you were seeing oh something but it is time. pre it is pre-canned no it's not he was playing seems... a no, no 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 he was live there playing the game that's yeah that's but seeing fact. somebody play it live doesn't mean it's not pre-canned it's just super scripted like well the point is like if it was in a direct then it's you know it, all it could be cg off. video yeah yeah but i don't know I, that doesn't add anything to it to me. I guess Plus I just have the, a different opinion, though. The live orchestra scoring the demo, I just, I don't know. It was such an entertaining thing to watch. Yeah, I guess I guess we're just, yeah, I mean, there's no, I just I just don't agree. I, I don't have the same yeah. excitement for it. Well, I think you're going to win this one out because I think it is, in fact, going away. But the interesting yeah. question is, what what, if anything, will Rise to take its place? The first thing that comes to my mind is Jeff Keighley. And the Game Awards, you know, the Game Awards have sort of already turned into a mini E3, right? They're an yeah. awards show, but there's so many, like, game reveals and announcements there. I, I wonder do if, really enjoy watching those live, too. Like, I want, the stage and everything. Yeah. I like that. Like, it's, you know, it's our Oscars, kind of. Yeah, and I think I read a statistic. I mean, don't quote me on this. Definitely verify this yourself. But more people watch the Game Awards this year than the Oscars. Which is I would love for that to be true. Very makes me kind of really proud. Yeah. Um, proud but, to be part of that community. Yeah. Yeah, but like I wonder if Jeff Keeley and Jeff Keeley this year he was just like, yeah, I'm done with the ESA. I don't want to go to E3 anymore. I wonder if this is a sign that he's gearing up to sort of assume that sort of role for people to gather around his event. You know, because like Jeff is not the only one with problems with the ESA. That's why Sony stopped going. Essentially, Sony also didn't like how the ESA ran things, and like yeah. apparently they uh, impose exorbitant fees on all sorts of things for the companies attending their event. Oh yeah, so that's why Devolver screws with them every year with their yeah. uh, they like rent the parking lot next to the expo and do their Devolver Direct right. and everything. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a very interesting time of flux right now. Like E3 is is dying and. S- it's. I guess the question is, what if anything will take its place? It's very impossible that nothing will take its place, and it'll all be, you know, like you said, streamed and direct style yeah. events. I don't know, and I just think coronavirus is going to speed that up. Like, yeah, certainly, it'll it'll yeah it'll speed that process up. But another yeah. interesting thing to consider with coronavirus, you know, uh, these 
consoles, the Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, 90% of yeah. consoles are manufactured in China. And, um, you know, obviously we can't paint a blanket over a whole country, but... Yeah, the, it's a problem right now. Yeah, it, it, it is. It does I mean, their affect economy the question, is, like, shutting down, yeah. It, like, we... A PlayStation 5 Xbox Series X delay is not out of the cards now, I think. Oh, my God. Do you think this is going to be what gets cloud gaming off the... Oh, God, wouldn't that oh. be a... Horrible. I've never horrible, even thought ironic, about that. That would be so thing. insane. Literally forced into cloud gaming because we can't <laughs> purchase physical consoles due to risk of infection. Okay, it's not risk of infection. That's not a thing. But, like, you know, the manufacturing, people yeah. can't come into work. Yeah, yeah. But, no, in all seriousness, though, like, do you think we could see... Uh, delay for the next generation of consoles i do don't you, think or do you think sony delay? and microsoft think, are going on getting it out this year i think they would release with a shortage sooner than they would delay it because i think i agree a shortage at launch is good publicity like look at the wii yeah like yeah i mean look at amiibos look at uh the nintendo everything nintendo releases the the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, like, you know, those are on the news because they are so hard to find, and that, you know, the new Xbox and the new PlayStation having that, they, I mean, it obviously would hurt them. It's never a good thing to not have enough supply to meet your demand, but I think that they would do that sooner, because they don't want to miss the holiday sales. Yeah, and... Especially with everything already sort of reaching a fever pitch. People are starving for PS5 news. Xbox is currently, I think, at their peak right now, right before the launch of the Series X. People are in love with Game Pass. Everyone sort of... People that weren't considering Xbox before are sort of jumping on now. I think both companies are in a very strong position, and it would really suck for their momentum if if <laughs> the coronavirus postponed the launch. But I, I, think, I think it's likely, you know, a, a lack of... A lack of Xbox Series X's, but Microsoft says, like, oh, but you can get, you know, the same experience using Project X Cloud on your Xbox One S or whatever, because the S has 4K HDR, right? Uh, the S, you can you can watch 4K HDR, but games, I guess yeah, it's just I, streaming, I bet, it doesn't matter. I bet X Cloud could do it, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they'll say, like, yeah, but you can get that experience through xCloud and Game Pass. And, you know, I could see them making the most of this situation. And then that would put them in a huge advantage over Sony, probably. But then that that circles back to the conversation we've had before on cloud and infrastructure. And are we ready for a global cloud gaming ecosystem? And I still say no. Oh, yeah, I still say no. Like, you and I still need hardware. Like, I was playing with GeForce Now here the other day, and it yeah. was amazing. But, like, like it, it worked pretty well. Like, it was super playable. I was enjoying it. But, you know, my neighbors started using their internet or something later in the day, and my latency started going up. And the truth is, like, the infrastructure, at least in West Virginia, where we're all from, isn't good yeah, enough. And it, might, it might even be like, good enough in Morgantown, but it's you, not in Charleston. I was going to say, Morgantown is probably the best internet in the entire state, and yeah. I certainly don't think we're even close to ready enough for uh, no latency cloud gaming like Microsoft's aiming for. 
You know, I still think you'd want to live in like New York or San Francisco or, you know, a big metropolis area for that. And I don't even know if you possibility. I bet Pittsburgh would be fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. But um, a metropolis, a metropolitan area is the only place that that's going to work right now. Yeah. In the U.S. at least. And that's a shame. But I, I do want cloud gaming to exist. I know I've talked about how it doesn't work, but I want it to like, obviously that. You know, it'd be super nice to not have to buy hardware anymore. And yeah, to be able I to mean, access your games on every device you own. Like, by it's, the a, it's time, a pipe dream. By the time PlayStation 6 and Xbox Series 2X comes around, cloud gaming will be as normal to us as, you know, as downloading a game was. It'll be as normal to us as downloading a game. You know, like, I agree. And yeah. you know how that was like a foreign concept like 15 years ago? Like, even PC gamers used to buy like discs and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the rise of digital storefronts, that all went away pretty quickly. I think we'll see a similar shift in mentality next generation where it's like we can't even imagine a future or we couldn't even imagine a past where like cloud gaming wasn't ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. And I don't know. You know, I would I would be tickled if my uh, prediction that coronavirus speeds that up was true. But we, we really don't know. I mean, it's all. I think. I think it's safe to say it's going to have an impact on the launch. But it, yeah, and whether it's I've, you know, I mean, it's affecting like Switch Lite right now, isn't it? Like, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. I think it affect. I think it affected the Animal Crossing exclusive uh, Switch. Yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't they delay something too because of coronavirus? I'm not sure. No, but I, think, I, I, okay, I definitely no, no, no. read some Nintendo news that they were. Like, so I, I, I realized I was thinking of the new James Bond movie got delayed due to coronavirus wow. for some reason. Really? I'm not really sure why a movie got delayed, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe they had to film in a place where it's a problem. I don't know. Mm. But uh, yeah, they um, I'm pretty sure Nintendo was talking about um, the Animal Crossing Switch limited edition. Like they didn't they weren't able to produce the numbers they wanted to. Yeah. And that sucks because that thing looks good. Yeah, it does look really good. That'll be my, uh, uh, you know, Doom and Animal Crossing coming out. That'll probably be a whole episode for us, but... Yeah. Yeah, we sort of foreshadowed that release every episode since we came back. It's yeah. definitely... When is that? That's in March, right? That's March 20th. Wow, okay. That's that's soon. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm planning on moving to Morgantown uh, for, uh, before it happens, <laughs> for, so... For, for it... <laughs> I, I want to move into. I want to move to my new island and move into my new apartment at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, get it all right, over with. Fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Have you guys ever played the game Plague Inc? Uh, no, but I know about it. Hey, isn't it unavailable in China right now? Yeah, I was gonna bring yeah. up China banned it, which yeah they banned it, which is kind of funny in a dark way, I think. But I do, I do think it's a fun game. I used to. I, I was pretty addicted to it for a while. Yeah, it's a fun game. I I saw a bunch of people play it in high school and stuff. It's it's definitely a little too real right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Plus the fact that every single good play game playthrough starts in uh, China. It's just how the game works. It's how I've won every game of Play Inc. All right, we're gonna change topics now. <laughs> but it's real disappointing now. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but I think this news just broke today, and it means a lot more to me than it does you guys. But uh, Neil Druckmann, the director of The Last of Us 1 and 2, uh, 
it's been revealed that he is working with HBO. Uh, but he's working with the same guy who did uh, Chernobyl. I don't know if any of you guys watch that. I haven't watched it, but I've heard amazing things about yeah. it. But he's working with that guy to create a Last of Us series on HBO, which I think is like the perfect match. I think Neil Druckmann, like you need him on board for script writing and such. And I think HBO is the perfect network to disseminate a Last of Us series because, you know, HBO is sort of associated with those like darker you know, grittier, more mature shows. And I would go as far as to posit that this will be the superior way to experience The Last of Us. <laughs> okay, okay, let's not get carried away here. Well, I, I don't know. I don't think it'll be a direct adaptation of the game. I think, no, I think, I think that'd, that'd be just waste. be redundant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I saw that and I was pretty excited. And originally, The Last of Us was going to be a movie, but apparently they've canceled that and now have turned it into an HBO TV series, which I think is way more appropriate. I think Uncharted is way more suited to, like, blockbuster cinema than yeah, The Last sure. of Us is. Yeah. Although I'm just not... I don't know. I guess my tune's changing a little bit. I really enjoyed The Witcher Netflix series. Yeah, I still gotta watch uh, that. It's, I watched that recently. I've never played The Witcher, but it's making me want to. Oh, do it. It's it's like a... We're in a renaissance for video game media, largely yeah. because the people now doing the media grew up with video games. Like we're seeing a lot of cartoons that are actually making good video game references. I think, yeah, I think it's a mix between it's a lot of that, but it's also video game audience has gotten so much bigger. So like when you make a video game movie, the audience for that is actually massive. Like it's not, it's not a, a niche thing for nerds anymore. Yeah, Yeah. When we were kids, a lot of the people that were in like media and cartoons they didn't grow up playing video games like our generation did. Right. They were kind of on the outside looking in, and now you have people coming in who actually grew up with video games, and they can make references and not look really weird about it. Yeah. And I feel like we're in a renaissance now. We're going to get a lot of good quality video game series. That's, yep. I mean, I, that's a really good point. I do think, it's the, like you said, it's the beginning of a renaissance. We've seen The Witcher, we've seen Detective Pikachu, Sonic movie, and... You know, the most recent thing being the Last of Us series, Uncharted movie. I think we're we finally cracked the code. We did. And we've it. got okay. a Super Mario movie coming that'll almost definitely ruin the winning streak. Oh yeah, I can't Honestly, see that being good it in could, any way. It, it, it it's elimination. It can't be good. It's elimination. It, it cannot be good. They don't make no good way movies. It's as bad as the one from the nineties. That is true. It will be no, better yeah. than that. See, but like. You know, in the period like the 90s and, you know, before that, video game movies were relegated to the they're so bad it's good category. Yeah. Where now they're actually being, like, competently made. So. Yeah. We're even seeing, like, game companies kind of sprout out their own division to do TV shows or animated series and stuff. Yeah. Like, a little bit. Yeah, like, like Sega releasing the Sonic shorts. Or Riot Games releasing an entire short in their universe. Like, that's yeah. nuts. And, like, the, the Overwatch shorts and stuff, too, yeah. kind of, from Blizzard. Yeah. I kind of blame Valve for this, because Valve was one of the first companies that I can remember doing this. Doing, like, videos that introduce a class with the Meet the Team series. Yeah, that was a good series. And I don't even like TF2. It's, like, they're finally learning. You can take game lore further out from just its, uh confines of the game you yeah just have you can to have do a it multimedia right. experience yeah because the game is largely interactive and it's real rough if you don't do it that way 
And that's why video game movies are generally not as good as the game. Yeah. I, uh... And I will say, like, even though we've been on a winning streak lately, like, I saw the Assassin's Creed movie the other day, and that was hot garbage. Yeah, like, I had no interest in watching that, which is a shame, because Michael Fassbender's great. I, I really know, enjoy him in X-Men. No, they, it's such a shame that that movie didn't work, because of all the games that could have had a movie, like, Assassin's Creed had so much potential. Yeah. I don't know. There's, like, this weird line you have to walk where, like, you have to respect the original lore, but also not... You, you shouldn't just tell the exact same story again. And also just take out, like, you need to adapt, you know? It can't yeah. be a one-to-one. Like, you can't have Michael Fassbender jumping off a skyscraper and landing into a barrel of hay and have it no. look not stupid, you know? Yeah, right. You have to sort of tweak that mechanic. Yeah. Not doing it off of a two-story building or something as a gag, you know? That could be fun. <laughs> like, Yeah. Because you need to respect that, like... Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, yeah. Assassin's Creed games created the whole mechanic of, like, sinking viewpoints, which many open-world games use today. Like, that yeah. was made by Assassin's Creed. So definitely, yeah, something like that needs to be respected and and adapted thoughtfully, but, you know, the keyword is thoughtfully. Yeah. Yeah, open-world games are kind of disappearing. I feel like we're going to... Thank God. ...see a lot of them disappear, because there was a period... Over the last decade, where it was just open world game after open world game. So that's Dude, the thing. So an like, open world game with a skill tree is such a turnoff to me. I hate skill trees and I hate unnecessary open worlds. So I mean, The, the Witcher's an open world, but it's a world that's also full of things to do. Yeah. Like, I so, look at my map and be like, oh, God, I have so much left to do before not, I can go to this next area. Yeah, there are games that should be open world, but then there's, like, Batman Arkham Knight. Where, like, the only point of the open world was to waste my time in between yeah. extremely fun missions. And the only point of the skill tree was to, like, I guess kind of keep me from being overwhelmed at the very beginning. But then, like, after the first few unlocks, it's just like, do I even care about this? I want to call that the Far Cry problem. Like, like there's, so, there's so many mechanics that just get slapped onto games once they get a big enough budget, and it's just an absolute waste. And an open world and a skill tree are two of the most egregious offenses, in my like, opinion. You can have a sand open sandbox, but then games like Far Cry or Arkham Knight, they'll put so many like menial tasks on that map that aren't yeah. meaningful. Because I don't mind doing other things if you know they're enjoyable, but Far Cry is like, oh yeah, collect this idol. Or yeah. climb and, and like, this Batman's radio tower. Not- I like, do think developers are figuring it out, though. Like, yeah, we see more games adopting philosophies from The Witcher 3, which was really impactful for high-quality yeah. open-world games. Hopefully they get some I, Every from quest Breath is, like, Wild. impactful. Yeah, that too. Like, I was playing The Witcher last night, and I was doing a completely different mission, and I found a Witcher contract in the same location I was doing this mission in. Like, I, I mean, didn't even know that contract existed until it's like, oh, hey, go talk to this person in this town about the white lady or, what I, or whatever. I'm like, hold on. There was a noon wraith here? Like, it blew there's, my mind. There's like a pair. And yeah, that's a, that's a good use of an open world because you're like exploring and discovering stuff. But like Batman doesn't do that. And like you, you, my, my best example is uh, the best comparison, in my opinion, is Spider-Man, who, in my opinion, absolutely needs an open world. Yeah. versus Batman, who has no reason to have an open world. Because, like, when you think yeah. of Batman, you don't think of Batman, like, 
really patrolling the city so much. Like Batman flying is not through a the sky. Cop. He re- he reacts to the bat signal. Spider Man is more yeah. like the beat cop of yeah. Like Spider Man swings heroes. around. He he handles small scale crime and saves people. Whereas Batman is like doing stakeouts and stuff. Like yeah, he always has a plan. Spider Man wings it and travels around this open world and has fun and swings around and stops robberies and whatever. You know, basically what you do in the Spider Man PS4 game. Yeah, but Batman does what you did in Arkham Asylum. Like, yeah. he, he has this dedicated mission that he's going to get done. And I think expanding that to open world was a mistake. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to point out, so many developers started chasing that open world sort of format, I think, after Bethesda first came to console. So like PS3 360, right, when Oblivion came out and Skyrim came out and Fallout yeah, I think it was 3 Grand came Theft out. Auto 3. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, actually, probably, probably GTA back, 3 did it. Back to GTA, GTA 3, 3 yeah. made the open world, and yeah, they, nobody else definitely did, did it right for a long time. Because like GTA is a game that needs an open world, because that's the whole game. Like you goof yeah. off and mess stuff up, but like so many of these games have open worlds where there's nothing to do, and that's it. You know, like after the success of GTA and the Bethesda games, developers saw that money and were like, "Hey, we want to do that too," and then we got there were I remember I distinctly remember a period of time where open world games were a rarity and something special and like a yeah. treat you know and now and everybody would know, get so excited been, for them yeah we've been inundated with them to the point where it's just an open world game has to be pretty exceptional for it to stand out amongst its peers and like uh, yeah it's just Going back, like, there's just nothing to do in the open world in Batman, which is the most egregious example, in my opinion. Like, see, there, I think there's all Arkham these guys City, to fight and no reason to fight them. Like, I think Arkham City struck the balance just right, where it yeah, was Arkham open City enough. Arkham City was okay, but it was small. Yeah, it was small. Yeah, it was very small. So it still kept, like, the intimate feeling of Asylum, but just sort of expanded it in ways that made sense. Whereas Arkham Knight just felt meaninglessly vast you know especially because you had the batmobile which should have been a really cool mechanic but then they threw those tank sections in and it just became yeah, it was atrocious you know it's and, and now and that was a phenomenal game like as far as like the actual batman gameplay i think arkham knight might be my favorite one well but, the game the gameplay itself hasn't really changed across the three yeah, games right i think they just kind of refined their design like and and that yeah. third person combat is is Sort of, they definitely kind of pioneered that, right? Like, that combat didn't really exist in that form before that game, before Asylum. I feel like, you know, Spider-Man's combat, Spider-Man PS4's combat is essentially just Arkham combat. Yeah, I mean, when I put Arkham Asylum in, yeah, I think Spider-Man's is a little more in-depth. Because you can, I mean, Batman Arkham combat is super easy. And Spider-Man, you can actually kind of get your butt kicked if you're not paying attention. Yeah. But I, I I remember, and this is kind of an aside, this is just a gaming memory, but, like, I bought the Batman game, like, near when it came out on PS3, and I I remember putting that in and thinking, like, this game's not going to be very good. <laughs> like, you know, just, just preemptively thinking I probably got scammed, but I don't think I paid very much for it, and then it was just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> love I, I love that you know, there's less of that these days because everything's blasted over social media. But like, I loved back in the day being surprised by a game. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to experience that recently because I bought like a haul of NES games. I was actually staying with you when I picked them up, Ammon. 
Yeah. And, uh, I got home and I uh, popped in just one I didn't recognize called Master Blaster. And it turns out it's like a super popular NES oh, game. Oh, yeah. It had just been off my radar in that game. Like, like it just engrossed my evening. Like, I was having a blast with this game I've never even heard of. Like, the box looked, like, the, the actual cartridge looked awful. That's why I picked it. But it ended up being super fun. Yeah, I can't, oh my gosh. I can't even think of the last time something like that happened to me. I think it'd have to be, like, when in, like, 2008 or something, when I first played, or 9? I think it was 8. 2008. Uh, when I first played Uncharted, Drake's Fortune. Oh, but yeah. I just bought it. I don't know why. I, I was at a GameStop, and I saw it. And I really, I only just saw Naughty Dog. And I hadn't heard of this game before. But I, you know, I love Jack and Daxter on PlayStation 2. So I bought it, and I played it. And it it changed my life, really. Like, it, it changed what I thought gaming could be. See, Game Pass kind of does that to me a little bit. Because, like, the, the barrier to entry is so low that I don't really look into a game before I start playing it. And that ended up, like, Final Fantasy XV kind of hit me like that, because I, you know, it was free, I got it on a whim, and I ended up just falling in love with it. Yeah. Like, and I think Game Pass kind of opens the door to that for that to happen to me more. And yeah, I try to, a, like... That's a great point, yeah. Like, I'm into retro games, and I try to just occasionally pick up one that I'm not super familiar with, because, you know, there were a ton of good games back then that flew under the radar. There are also a lot of stinkers. For sure. So what have you been playing, Connor? <laughs> so yeah, uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I uh, I was gonna wait. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode that I wanted to wait until I finished the entire Mega Man Zero series to talk about them. But I just finished Mega Man Zero two last night, and I I think I'm gonna take a break before I move on to three because they're starting to feel a little samey, even <laughs> after just the first two. And you know that's Mega Man. Uh, really, Mega Man Zero so far, uh, one and two, it's it's a lot of Mega Man, but like, so it's Mega Man, but you don't get a new weapon from every boss. Before like, you go on, all right. So there's Mega Man, and then Mega Man X, and then right, okay. Mega Man Zero as well. Mega like, and these are all different series. Yeah, uh, sort of. So they're all in the same timeline. Uh, Mega Man happened w- w- 20XX, or, or was it 199X? I forget. Anyway, Mega Man happened whenever it happened, the original classic series. And even the new ones that they're making still are happening in that time era. But sometime after the classic Mega Man games, Dr. Light created basically the perfect robot, which was Mega Man X. But he never activated him, I guess, or he put him to sleep. And an undisclosed amount of time later... People discovered him, and uh, they basically made this whole species of robots based on him, because X is capable of, like, thought. Like, he's a sentient robot. And so that's when the Mega Man X games come out. There's a species, essentially, called Reploids, which are intelligent (laughs) robots. And uh, they can go Maverick, which is how the Robot Masters are replaced. They're Mavericks, and X is a Maverick hunter. And so you play as Mega Man X hunting these Reploids that have gone rogue, basically, and that's all the Mega Man X games. Sounds hardcore. Wasn't that, wasn't that where Boomer Quanger came from? Uh, yes, I think okay. so. Because, the so, yeah, they, they abandoned, like, the naming convention. Like, nobody, Mega Man is the only man in uh, Mega Man X. They all have, like, normal names. Weird not translation names, but they're names. Not, yeah, like, you know, um, X's best friend is Zero. Like, you know, it's not Proto-Man. Although he looks a lot like Proto-Man. Uh, 
But then after the X series happens, Zero was put to sleep at some point. Like he's he's in a you know he was put into hibernation, and he wakes up, and uh, there's like a country called Neo Arcadia. This is a hundred years later or something like that, and a country called Neo Arcadia is hunting all reploids because there's like some energy crisis. There's it's basically an overpopulation issue. There are too many humans and reploids. So they've decided humans get to live, reploids don't, basically. <laughs> and as Zero, you fight for the reploid resistance against Neo-Arcadia, which is head up by uh, X and a couple of other people that were on your side throughout the Mega Man X games, I think. See, this story and lore sounds awesome. And it's almost, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it's almost a little misleading because I feel like this is mostly just in the background, right? Because Mega Man games are solely focused on gameplay. It's... It sounds like a good story, and I'm going to tell you, if you play any of these games for the story, you will be so disappointed. Right. It is so poorly delivered. Like, it is, if you if you want this good story, it exists, and you should go read about it online, because the way it is delivered in games is like, oh, you get two or three lines of dialogue, and now you get to play three levels that are all really good, but the story just doesn't even come up. Like, they, they come up with excuses for you to go to these locations, basically. And, like, all of that, like, Zero wakes up, Zero fights Neo-Arcadia. That's all of Mega Man Zero 1. Like, that's the only part. Of so this story, it's like it's like this huge epic, but it's broken up over, over the course of so many different games. Yeah. But so I think it's not, it's not say- delivered well. I was going to say, I think at this point, if you buy a Mega Man game, you should know what you're in for, right? which is a really sublime gameplay experience. Although yeah, I would say the Battle Network games, I actually really enjoyed the story in those. Oh, yeah, those completely were different. fantastic. I, I loved every part of the Battle Network games except for the random encounters. Yeah. I, I'm in love with those. Uh, I think the only one I've actually played is 6, but I loved it. They're long games. Oh yeah, yeah. I played. I think I played like all of them. I remember just endless hours on my game Game Boy playing those games. Yeah, I had. I that had was Cybeast my first exposure Rager. to Mega Man actually. So for the longest yeah. time, I thought that was what Mega Man was. Yeah, because there was an anime for that too. Um, yeah, I remember watching that too. But anyway, uh, Mega Man Zero One, and really the Zero series, as far as I can tell, in general, it's more Mega Man X, but you play as Zero, which was a thing in the Mega Man X games. So some people okay. might be familiar with that. So I was going to ask, know, how does the gameplay differ between regular X and Zero? So Zero starts out with a blaster and the Z-Saber, which is a melee attack. Mm-hmm. And I played pretty much the whole game with the Z-Saber, and I had the blaster as like an optional secondary thing. But you're not like getting new weapons when you beat every boss like X does and Mega Man does. So like, you beat a boss, and sometimes you can get like an element to apply to your Z-Saber, but... They don't really shake up the gameplay at all. You get all your weapons pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's kind of lame. Yeah, like, th- I thought the whole point of Mega Man was, uh, you know, defeating bosses, unlocking new weapons, which helps you in turn defeat new bosses. Yeah, and it's not that in Mega Man Zero. Like, the elements, every boss has an elemental weakness, but, like, you're just swinging your Z-Saber at him. Like, that's kind of lame. Yeah, it is, but it feels really good. Like, the controls are so tight... Zero feels so good to control. He feels, I mean, he feels like X did, and X felt amazing to control. I love classic Mega Man, but you can't convince me that X doesn't control better. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. The stuff, like, in the first Mega Man Zero game, you don't even get color palette changes. Like, 
in the second one, you unlock new forms that can do stuff like make enemies more likely to drop health or make you attack faster, and they change Zero's color. And it does look weird. Like, Mega Man was clearly designed to have his color changed. Zero kind of looks weird when his color changes to me. So is Zero just um, He's Proto the red Man? guy. Proto no. Man? Okay. He's not Proto Man. Zero, sort of spoilers, but the story really doesn't matter with these games. Zero was um, created by, and also these games are all ancient, but Zero was created by Dr. Wily at the same time Dr. Light was making uh, Mega Man X. Okay. And uh, Zero is the source of the Maverick virus that like turns turns them Maverick and stuff, but somehow he got rid of it at some point. I don't really understand. And he became a good guy. And gotcha. so he yeah, he he's been a good guy pretty much the entire time we've known about him. But yeah, uh the main thing these games were made for the Game Boy Advance. And there are a couple of times where the camera just really doesn't work at all. Like like they feel so good to control and they're so fun to play until the camera doesn't work and like you have no idea if you're jumping into a pit or onto a platform and it happened enough that like i i have a hard time recommending these games it happens so much so just to be clear this is a 2d side scroller right yeah it's a 2d side scroll yeah it plays exactly like Mega Man x except you have a lightsaber like <laughs> instead yeah. of unlockable weapons and uh, Mega Man zero two got a little better with the camera uh but um they're <sighs> instant kill spikes like it's just like they never learned any lessons from the previous Mega Man games. See, like the Insta Kill Spikes definitely seems like a like an old game design it's, philosophy to me, right? Because it is. Yeah. Back in the and day, you had to not extend fun. your like, game's length somehow. The last level of Mega Man Zero had this one section where, like, there are three ladders, and you have to jump from ladder to ladder and not fall into these spikes. There's zero challenge there. It's just, like, if you slip up, you die, and, like, you don't get to fight the final boss as many times. Like, that's not fun. Yeah. Like, and it it was just full of stupid stuff like that. Like, stupid artificial difficulty. Like, I just... uh, There's a boss that after you kill him, he, like, he's the only one in the game that does this, and it's kind of out of nowhere, but he self-destructs. Like... That's just, and that's in Mega Man Zero One, and that's just eating your lives. Like, yeah, that's not fun. If he kills you, do you have to? If you don't have to fight you, him, you to, yeah. If you game over, yes. But if you just lose a life, no. And that that takes me. Mega Man Zero Two doesn't have this problem, but Mega Man Zero One has a finite number of lives, and you don't get more when you game over. That's uh pretty intense. Yeah. yeah so like, they're they're called retry chips, and like. If you, like, don't know that and you keep retrying on, like, the first level, then you don't have any additional lives. Like, unless you find them in the levels, like, you never get more. There's nowhere to buy them. You don't get them. Like, no, a traditional Mega Man, you start with two lives, and if you game over, you have to start the level over, but you have two lives again. Yeah. Mega Man That's- Zero One, you have to go back to your previous save. And what it, what it ended up doing to me was, like, I used up all my retry chips not knowing that on the first level. And so I just didn't have a single continue for the entire rest of the game because everyone I got, (laughs) I saved up for the final boss. So I had it and it it really made me think that it was going to be the worst of the series um, because I knew they fixed that in zero two. I knew that going in, but it, it forced me to become like perfect at these levels like I had to. You know, I had to get to the boss of the level, which usually when I'm playing a Mega Man game, I usually get to the boss, look at the pattern a little bit, and then let him kill me so that I can actually try. 
And you couldn't do that in Mega Man Zero. You had to get to the boss with enough HP to kill him. And uh, that kind of upped the stakes a little bit. And by the time I'm, I was at the end of Mega Man Zero 1, like, I was beating levels on my first try because it had forced me to get so good at this game. The Dark Souls philosophy. Yeah. And um, I thought that was cool. And I was so excited to fire up Mega Man Zero 2. And, like, I was thinking, like, man, I'm going to ride this momentum. And then I didn't. I didn't. Like, I Mega Man Zero 2, it had the instant kill spikes and stuff, and I just kind of... I don't know. It didn't have the difficulty. I didn't feel like I was overcoming something anymore. Mm-hmm. And without that, the mm-hmm. gameplay didn't really hold up. It just up. felt like it was cheap. Yeah, so... And, I, and I'm not saying... Zero One is objectively a worse game than Zero Two. Like, it, I, I wasn't enjoying myself, really, overcoming those challenges the whole time. Like, at certain points I was, but... I, I'm just really conflicted on these games, because they were super fun, they control super well, but... They're so, I don't know. And I think the Legacy Collection dated, fixes it maybe? a little bit. Yeah, they're dated, but they're not even dated because these things were fixed in game design by the time these games came out. These were Game Boy Advance games. Game Boy Advance games didn't do this stuff. You know, by but, the time the game, Super Mega NES, Man, by the time the Super NES was around, people knew not to use instant kill spikes. Mega Man has just refused to learn anything in its entire run. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, though, Mega Man sort of stands tall as that series that, like, throughout the years, you could always count on it being a challenge. Like, if you wanted a hard yeah. game to play, you'd play Mega Man. And these are hard, but, like, they would still be hard without instant kill spikes. Like, the boss fights are super fun, every single one of them, like, so far. And, like, like you said, the story's interesting. It's just getting bogged down by this dumb stuff. Like... I get to the final boss and I'm like, or I'm like one room before the final boss. I've got two lives and I get killed by instant kill spikes twice. I don't even want to go fight him anymore because I know I'm not going to beat him with my one life, like, or with my zero lives, you know, no continues. Yeah. It's just little stuff like that that kind of bogged it down. Uh, it, so they don't stand as my favorite Mega Man games. I think I'm going to move on to Mega Man X for now because I have that and I haven't beat it yet. Yeah, X is the one I hear really good things about. The Zero I series is just really weird. It it tries a lot of stuff, and it's successful in some ways and not in others. I hear Zero 3 is the best of the series, and so I kind of hate to stop right before it, but I'm kind of fatigued. So That's understandable. I expected, you know, before I started talking, I thought I was going to say a bunch of nice things about these games. <laughs> then, uh, then I was really thinking about it, and it's just because they are really good. They control extremely well. If you like Mega Man, you're going to like this, because I'm one of those people... When I'm playing Mega Man, I pretty much use the Buster the whole time, except on boss fights. Yeah, it's weird to me that you said it's Mega Man with a lightsaber, because Mega I always associate Mega Man with ranged combat, not melee combat. Yeah, and you have the ranged combat. Like, you have... Your Buster works pretty much the exact same way Mega Man's does. So, if you want to do that, it's there. But I, uh... I don't know. I'm an up-close-and-personal kind of guy. That's That was way more fun. I think the Z-Saber does more damage, too. But that's yeah. the trade-off. Okay. I like to kill a boss quick, and uh, the Z-Saber lets me do that, even though I'm having to put myself in danger more. You'd really like Bloodborne. Yeah, I do. I have it. I've been playing oh, okay. it. <laughs> okay, cool. Mike, what have you been playing? Uh, It's not what I've been playing, but what I will be playing in six-ish hours. I don't know when it releases. Uh, I'm gonna be playing Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX. And oh, those games are good. Uh, I grew up with the original, uh, the original Red Rescue team, so I'm eager to go back and play it again. 
I still have the Red Rescue Team pre-order stickers on my original Nintendo DS. Or no, Blue Rescue Team, sorry. Wow. That, that game's right. so good. It's unfortunately, such a good game, and I'm excited to play it. I was going to say, again. unfortunately, I missed those when they first came out, so I've never oh, you're, actually played these games. That's not unfortunate. You're in for a treat. Really? Oh, this, okay. this DX version, I think, is going to be the better way to play them. And the art style is gorgeous. The Nintendo Switch is obviously a fantastic console. Mike, I don't want to steal your thunder here. These games <laughs> are yeah. so good. I'm so they're, they're ready. Yeah. Why don't you describe, uh, Mike, why don't you describe the gameplay a bit? Because I really don't know anything about it. So, it's it was probably one of the earliest procedurally generated dungeon crawlers I've played. Because that's what it is. It's a Pokemon dungeon crawler. Like, yeah, it's kind how of does, a how does that light. work? How does the combat work? Um, Turn-based. Oh, so yeah, it's the same? It's turn- semi somewhat turn-based. Like, have you ever played Rogue? Yeah. Like, or like any roguelike, like yeah. a like NetHack yeah. or anything. It's yeah. it's basically it's it's that. It's it's uh, basically the Pokemon mechanics. Yeah, like okay. you have your four moves and stuff, but they're all like like some of them are ranged attacks, some of them are melee attacks, and you actually move around a grid in this dungeon. Yeah. So there's like an element of strategy to it in that regard, and there's like get a rock move. There are items you can use and like items you can throw. And you have like a team of two or three Pokemon, and you only control one of them at a time. And uh, you know it's it's heavy on story, but the the day to day gameplay or the minute to minute gameplay is you crawling through these dungeons, yeah, and fighting. You know, instead of monsters, it's other Pokemon. And sometimes when you beat them up, they, they like enjoy- snap out of it and want to join your team. Yeah, it's very. It's very cool. Like, I enjoy it. It's been so long since I've played it, because I was in fifth grade when I played this game, and when it came out, I was yep. young. Uh, But it was a game that I'd spend hours each night on my Game Boy Advance SP playing this game, you trying to get to. through the 100-floor dungeons. Like, it'd yeah. be 3 a.m., I'd go to sleep, go to school the next day, come back, play it again. <laughs> <laughs> And this is, I'm just going to sing praises to the originals for a little bit here, because the original, it had Red Rescue Team on Game Boy Advance and Blue Rescue Team on DS, but they were the same game, pretty much. Yeah, they only had exclusives. And they actually, like, you could connect them. Like, yeah. like if you died in in a Rescue Team game, you could, I think, use a link cable. On DS, you could use wireless play. Or you could put a Game Boy Advance cartridge in the DS and connect them. And basically, whatever game you hadn't died on, you could play through the dungeon that they had died in, find them, and help them so that they that's could so get cool. back up and finish the dungeon. And, like, yeah. that's big, but even better, it had a password you could send your friend without any connectivity at all. And then they could clear that dungeon, give you the password to continue. So, like... So your the friend, password's just the seed to the dungeon, I'm guessing? The seed to the dungeon plus where you were in it. It's it's the same way passcodes worked in older games, I yeah. think. Instead of yeah, save files like that, but basically that allowed a game with no internet connection, but like you could help out your friend on the other side of the country, and it was like such a forward-thinking awesome. game. And who I made, imagine the Switch this? will streamline that. Who uh, made? Who made it? it was Chunsoft, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, they make a look. bunch of mystery dungeon games. Like it's not just Pokemon. It's um. Yeah, it was Chunsoft. Spike Chunsoft. Yeah. Yep. And I this might I don't know how hot of a take this is, but Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is far and away better than any mainline Pokemon game. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, that's, this that's high easily. Such, 
a fun like it's what I mean I the like story is enjoyable like yeah that's that's sort of new for me as a Pokemon fan I don't really usually care about the story but you're saying this one's pretty good it doesn't take place in the main Pokemon world like it's its own world there are no yeah. humans this game is exclusively Pokemon I think I like that yeah and you play as the Pokemon obviously because there's no people free from slavery essentially yeah. And it's just a real, like, all the characters are super likable, except the ones that are clearly not supposed to be. The world is just adorable. Like, a lot of the buildings are shaped like Pokemon's heads and stuff, but in a really charming way. Even, even like, the unenjoyable characters, they get the re- redemption. Not yeah. gonna spoil anything for a, uh, 15-year-old game. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't, because I really think I want to play it. Yeah, because I've mean, heard such Pokemon good things fan, about these games, and I love yeah, Pokemon, yeah. so it's kind of a no-brainer. You're doing yourself a disservice not to play these if you're a Pokemon fan, because they are the best Pokemon games. They were released and in they, 2005. I don't know how they... In America. I only played the first ones. I never played... I hear Explorers of Sky is, like, hands down the best one. But I only played uh, Blue Rescue Team so far. Oh, they're... The uh, remake is apparently going to introduce mechanics that were in, that were first seen in a uh, super mystery dungeon, like moves leveling up and everything. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I don't so, know if I'm going to get it because I don't know if I want to play through those games a second time because they are. I am. Oh, they're so long. I'm going to stream it. It's going to be great. <laughs> that that'll be such a good streaming game. I'm looking forward to Alpha Red Plus's uh, playthrough. Yeah. Assuming they actually do the thing that they said <laughs> they were going to do. They'll do it. It's. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. So probably in like six hours we'll finally release it. I might have to pick that up, honestly, to hold me over until Animal Crossing and Doom. I don't yeah, want to spend any more money this month, though. <laughs> I spent $60 in this game, and I got to buy Animal Crossing 2. It's $60? It's, yeah, it's a full $60 game. It's a, a full $60 remake. It's, it's a full remake. It's a I full think remake? Okay, then, I mean, then that's fair. Yeah. yeah, It's not just a remaster. It's a full remake. I mean, this game on Game Boy Advance had and DS had enough content to be like 60, a console yeah. game yeah it was a long of course you know it's padded like it, it has a huge epilogue like even after you beat the story you're not even halfway through the game yeah no there's a massive there's 100 floor dungeons like some of start at like level one and have to go through the dungeon at level one yeah like and they're themed dungeons and stuff and i never got into those too much because they I... were too hard for me as a kid because i was like if you were in the fifth grade i was probably in third i think for, I've only made it through 100-level dungeon, and that was the Buried Relic dungeon, which yeah. is where you start at level what it, whatever level you were when you entered there. And the thing about 100-level dungeons in this game is they might sound easy. Like, oh, you just got to find the stairs. You have to compete with a mechanic called your belly, which if you run out of food, you start taking damage very quickly. Yeah. Which is a, so you, a huge roguelike mechanic, you know? It, it's like you're actually exploring a dungeon. and yeah, You have to keep food in your inventory or you're going to lose that dungeon. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, there's just a lot of thought into these games. And it has all the, like, classic roguelike mechanics. Like, I think in Rogue there were, like, fountains you could find. And, like, you don't know what this fountain is going to do until you interact with it. I'm pretty sure Pokemon Mystery Dungeon had a mechanic like that. They were just tiles on the floor. Yeah. But I think... I think what this remake can add that'll do a ton is a little bit of visual flair, because that's what the original games were missing really badly. Mega Evolution's going to be in the remake. Ooh. That'll be cool. 
Auto but all save. the dungeons looked like like you go into these hundred floor dungeons and like you start getting the Tetris effect a little bit where like all these dungeons look exactly the same. You're looking at the same tile set for hours upon hours. <laughs> yeah. And that was bad. That was a bad thing. And I'm hoping that they've kind of fixed that in the remake. Because that, that really is like the only flaw I could say that this game had was that the hundred floor dungeons were impossible for me to do because I didn't have the attention span to look at a tile set for that long. <laughs> I did. It <laughs> largely the plus the game has a partner mechanic for like the first main story. If your partner dies, you fail the dungeon that goes away after the main credits. Like once you beat the game, you can swap out your partner. You could swap who's up front. You don't have to play your player character anymore. Yeah. That's another thing for the entire yeah. story. You have to, there's like a quiz at the beginning that tells you what Pokemon you are, which is super charming. Although I think in the newer ones, you can just pick what Pokemon if you don't like the answer you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But whatever you get there, you're stuck as that Pokemon for the entire story. You're not allowed to change and play as another one. That's cool. Yeah. It, it's cool. Uh, because, yeah. like, uh, you you are that, the, like, that creates a sort of... Yeah, you are. As yeah, a player. A, it's immersive, almost. Yeah, like, that's, what, that's what I was looking for, yeah. You also, there's no evolution in the game until after the story. Uh, I, I won't spoil how evolution comes to be, but yeah, you can't do it. You are stuck in the first form for the entire well, story. Thanks, I guess, for giving me another game I gotta buy now. I, yeah, think, I no, feel like this is sort of becoming a trend. Every week you guys introduce me to new games that I then want to play. Yeah, how's Final Fantasy XV treating you? So I, I saw you playing it. Yeah, so since last time, I said I really liked the vibe, right? And I didn't dig the combat too much. And my update now is that I absolutely love this game. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I love the combat as well now. Like, it's finally sort of clicked with me. And I don't know. I've mostly just been running around doing side quests, but I've not gotten bored of that yet. Even though the side quests are very samey, I just love, you know, driving around, making camp, like doing silly little things in my little group of four. And... Uh, yeah, I'm loving it so far. I'm only in chapter three, but I've already put in like, I think eight hours. Yeah. And uh, I yeah, can't. So, w- so I told you that you could play through the story in a tight like twenty hours if you if you're gonna do all these side quests and stuff. I I rescind my comment entirely. Oh. Yeah. But you know, like I th- I think where I'm at right now, I think if I'm going if if I get bored, then I'll just put the gas on the main story. Yeah, that's fair. But like right now, I'm just enjoying my time in that world. It's which so is, nice. Right, yeah. yeah, which I really didn't expect after I saw so many people like really mad at Final Fantasy 15, but I guess those came more from like long term fans of the series. Yeah, like, I, don't wanna... I think Final Fantasy 15 is like different from the previous entries. It is. Yeah, but I'm liking it just fine. There's some stuff later. Uh, do you have the DLC? I got the Royal Edition. OK, good. That, that, that okay. has all the DLC because I hear one of the DLCs replaces like the last chapter of the game. Yeah, and I'm also I'm also glad yeah, it'd be that the Royal I'm Edition playing this. Upgrade. I'm glad that I'm playing this now and not at launch because they've patched in like entire story beats and cutscenes into this game, and yes, it's just sort yeah. of ridiculous. Like if you played this game at launch, you didn't really get the complete package. I am told by my my friend who loved the game and played through like all the side quests and stuff, absolutely hated the ending it just wasn't finished when he played it yeah 
And I like none of the stuff he was saying to me makes sense. And finally, it clicked with me. We didn't play the same ending. Like the that's final crazy. chapter. Yeah, it's it's just different. Like that's, they added that's enough. Actually, that's really bad. They should have just waited to release the game. Yeah, they should. It's awful. The ending's still disappointing. Uh, okay, let's it. let's let's not talk about the ending too much because I'm actually um, invested. I do want to throw you a tip though. This isn't story related at all, but um, there's like a series of quests where you're like getting stuff for your car. Like I yeah, think the I, first I've, was, like, I've already done like several of those. I I followed that to the end because I wish I had. And my friend told me what happens at the end, and I you should just do it. Like it's worth your time. Okay, cool. I, I, I never already, did. I was already play. doing them because I'm already attached yeah. to the car, so. Yeah, I loved the car, but I just didn't do side quests. That, that car means so much to me. <laughs> that, that virtual car. Yeah, oh, it geez. means more to me In than that my JRPG. actual car. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but that's all well and good. But it's not the game I wanted to talk about. But I'm glad I gave that update. I think I'm going to give a little update on Final Fantasy 15 as I played throughout the weeks. I think that's a good idea. But the game I was playing is a browser battle simulator called pokemon showdown i have heard of this you guys have played this it's definitely illegal oh yeah <laughs> and i feel like it'll definitely get shut down at some point i don't know it's been around a long time but yeah like i it's it's super fun to just hop in for like a game or two and then hop out and i always just do like the random gen one battles with my friends especially because gen one is so wonky and like just stupid in so many ways like it, just weird mechanics like if you kill with hyper beam then you don't have to rest a turn and like if you're frozen you just can't thaw out you basically just lose you if you kill with hyper beam you don't miss a turn that's so yeah. overpowered yeah like gen one is just stupid that's my favorite insane. gen one mechanic bind bind you cannot break out of that's insane yeah so it was just basically a free free disable that you could just wall off an entire team with that's funny. Yeah, I've never checked out Pokemon Showdown because I, I I hate turn-based combat. So <laughs> you said that every episode. Yeah, I no, hate like yeah, no. Nah, the only thing I hate more than the story in Pokemon is the gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> why I, why I keep playing them, God knows. But They're, that's just how charming they are. Yeah, I know. They're they, it, that's true. Like it literally is just so charming that I still. Like, but you liked Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, and this is not what I get. <laughs> oh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon's a totally different game. It has a good story and good combat. But anyway, yeah, Pokemon Showdown, like, I've got a group of three or four friends that pretty consistently play it, and we're just like, we text each other, hey, hey, you want to do, like, a game? You know, you just play for a game or two and then hop off, you know, when we have, like, a five-minute window, and it's it's super fun. And especially, super with, like, fun. the random battles, like, you don't know what you're going to get, and you just have to make the best of either a really good or bad situation. Yeah. I really like it as, like, a supplemental thing. I don't think, like, I don't think anybody would buy it. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely Cause not. Because, like, a core part of Pokemon is racing them, and obviously Showdown doesn't really have any of that. But I think it's super cool, like... I think Pokemon Showdown makes competitive Pokemon stupid. Like, because why, why would you grind for a competitive game when you could just put together a competitive team right, on Showdown? Yeah, yeah. And, but, like, yeah, I, I, I like... Some people do, like the I think grind. it's a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like the grind. Yeah, but, like, this is super useful even if you just want to, you know, test out teams and stuff. Like, if you're a pro player and want to test out strategies, like, you just throw together a quick team in Showdown and you're good to go. Yeah. That's no, a really cool thing. I, I knew a ton of people who were into it uh, a couple years ago. 
And uh, just as an aside, I was curious, and I poked around. Uh, the code is open source, so I pull it down, and it's all JavaScript and Node.js. So I'm, like, poking around in there, and I'm thinking about, like, modding it and, like, having my own private server. That'd be cool. So. I mean, I don't... What's the advantage? Oh, because you wouldn't be able to run the mods if you didn't have a private server, duh. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I was just gonna... Th- I was thinking of just, like, doing goofy things, like inserting me and some of my friends in as Pokemon so we can actually, like, play as each other. <laughs> But Are there trainers? Like, do you? Do you no, no, it's just Pokemon. Okay. So I would like actually edit like a Pokedex entry or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does it have like double battles and stuff? Uh, I believe it does, but I've never messed with those. I've only done oh. we've like ninety percent of my time on here has been uh, Gen One random battles. So. Yeah, you can definitely goof around in there if it's all in JavaScript. That's yeah, well within your wheelhouse. That could be cool. Yep, so, yep, that's what I've been playing, but I think that'll do it for us this week. Thank you again, as always, for listening to us. Please follow us on Twitter at AdPodcastGameTalk. You can like, comment, and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Once again, thank you for listening. Please avoid the coronavirus and be safe. Talk to you guys later. Bye. See you guys.